gentlemen, boys and girls, would you like to say a little bit? Hi. Damn it. Children of all ages, <laughs> Kansas City. Not Detroit, buddy. Not Detroit. Kansas City. Hey, I'm happy for you guys. We are here to bring you an all-new 14th beautiful Monday edition of Tapped In. My name is Duncan Kaminsky. I am joined by my wonderful friend here. What it is. My victorious comrade. A one Mr. Brand New Papa, Ty James. My boy. You might recognize him from uh, the Tailgate Podcast. You might also recognize him from... The recently uh, put uh, the the recently shown draft game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The champs right here. This isn't Aaron Rodgers up in this. This is ah. This is us rolling with that. Discount double check champions. That's what happened last Thursday. You might recognize him from all that. So we've kind of got like a little pseudo tailgate edition going right now. But we're both huge NFL draft fans, and we're both big football fans. And we started off the draft game talking about how. In, in honor, in memoriam of Therese Paler. He called it Football Nerd Christmas. <sighs> Ty? Christmas is over. Christmas is over. Christmas is over. It's the day after. It's that depressing day, the, 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 the morning after, when you just sit there. It's like, is it a leap year? So is it 364 days or 365? It's only 364. It's only, mm-hmm. it's only you know, mm-hmm. or in this case, actually like 362 until the first round next year. So... <laughs> It might be a little bit rough, man, but hey, on the bright side, that means there's a lot to talk about. This is the part where you've already opened your presents, and you see what you got, and you start doing the eyes over to the next team, or the you know your other kids in the division being like, what did they get for Christmas? And you want to talk about nerds, we're already sitting there talking about what we want for Christmas next year, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that we did not already discuss off-camera that, have you looked at... You know, anything for next year, like a mock draft, the, the always the way too early 2022 mock draft? No, I already have. I have to. Yeah. I'd be lying if I was not. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a Detroit fan, folks. And we get two first overall picks next year, man. At yeah. least. At least. Two first rounders, yeah. yeah. Thank you, the courtesy of the Matthew Stafford trade. R.I.P. I mean, I'm sorry, not R.I.P. But you know, rest in, <laughs> rest in. Play well, LA. play well, sweet. R.I.L.A. Yeah. Rest in L.A. I suppose. I don't know, man. No. So, uh, Ty, what do you think about the draft this year? Oh man, it was a nonstop thrill ride from start to finish. One hundred percent. There was a uh, there was a couple there was a couple obviously things that we'll talk about on the podcast tomorrow or whenever we release. tailgate podcast. Yeah, about you know reaches and different things like that. But for the most part. You couldn't have asked for a better draft. It was so loaded with talent that we even have to talk about the UDFAs, the undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. God, there were so many good names out there. So I, many. I texted you yesterday because obviously, like, I want the Chiefs to go get wide receivers. Mm. Love what they did in the draft, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. But I wanted the Chiefs to go wide receiver heavy. And they did draft one. But I said, hey, there's some premium wide receiver talent out there on the undrafted market. And... Nope, your Lions snagged two of my favorite targets. Scooped them one up. of which, who I've come in talking about with you guys for you and Aaron for months. No, he, he wasn't on the. Yeah. He wasn't on the board. I had to check for a second. Um, Sage Surratt might have been. He was actually like in the in the lower one hundred. So, oh, okay, I, I do okay. know that. Uh, but Jonathan Adams Jr. was a receiver out of Arkansas State, which he stands out to me because I am a diehard K Stater, and I remember opening the opening game uh, against Arkansas State that K State lost. Mm. And Jonathan Adams Jr. Jonathan Adams Jr. was a man among boys mm. that day in the fact that he literally just out he had three touchdowns and just mm. out muscled 
defenders. Like it was, it was ridiculous. I was like, man, if that kid paired with Patrick Mahomes would be a lot of fun. And instead, your new Lions quarterback, Jared Goff, will get to have the benefit of throwing the ball to him. I'm excited. I mean, we picked up Surratt. Yeah, I mean, we picked up a couple of. uh, We only drafted one wide receiver. Um, Obviously, we almost completely decimated and depleted our wide receiver core. You know, Kenny Galladay's in uh, the Giants now, New York, and then I mean, obviously uh, Marvin Jones. I he. He, I don't think he retired, but he might have went to no, the Packers Jones or something. No, went to, I want to say Jacksonville, Jacksonville or Carolina yeah. or something. Jacksonville. I think it was Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah, so we completely uh, decimated our wide receiver corps, and we have a lot of young talent there. And so why not give these guys their shot? Yeah. And it's completely open. I think that's what made it such a, for lack of a better term, sexy place to land Ooh, as a wide receiver yeah. was because – you have the chance. Sexy. I know, right? Not because you have a chance to win or succeed, but because you have a chance to get on the field and show what you have and earn that next contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that's absolutely true, and that's where I've the Chiefs have been. The they the Brett Beach has done a wonderful job over the years with of undrafted free agents, and you look at Wharton last year, particularly. I mean, that could end up being a major contributor at defensive down the stretch for the Chiefs, mm. and looks like a key player moving forward, but. Uh, that's something that is that's it's key, man. That's how you build the the I hate really of the roster, but that's where you fill that's where is by having a strong undrafted free agent classes where you have strong special teams where you know you can fill in on backups. Like that's right. That's something the Chiefs have specialized in. And again, I really like what the Lions have started off a, with. A great UDFA class can be your chance to build a dynasty. Yeah. No, one of the best undrafted free agents the Chiefs have had, Dan Sorensen. Look at the impact that he's had. So you never know when you're going to uncover a gem, you mm. know, a guy who will ultimately make the big play for you in a playoff game. I mean, that's that's all you can really ask for. And, and I, I love really the, like what the, the Lions did. I love the stories recently that have coming out in the NFL. Obviously, with UEFA's making it, or actually, like you know, like Philip Lindsay, you know, a guy that was completely yeah. written off, but like is one of those running backs that people are like, you know, I'll give that guy a shot. He might mm-hmm. be a little small, but man, mm-hmm. he can he can really he likes to pound the ball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you saw also, you know, uh, uh, was it the kid Alabama, the one, Dylan Moses? Moses, yeah. Yeah, and he went and signed with Jacksonville. I mean, the fact that he wasn't drafted, that was Aaron texted you and I yeah. in our group chat and said, you know, this is the downside sometimes when you bet on yourself. And, of mm-hmm. course, we love the story of, of players betting on themselves. Right. And they say, I'm going to go, I'm going to be productive, I'm going to get myself a better payday. And sometimes, unfortunately, it does backfire. Mm-hmm. Not always due to circumstances within your own, within your own reach. And mm-hmm. I think that is the case for him, but – this guy could shock people in mm. uh, in Jacksonville, and he won't be a starter from day one because they've already said he will probably be put on the uh, the pup list, basically right. uh, unable to perform. Uh, but I mean, that's that's another one. You also look at uh, there was um, oh man, I'm struggling to think of. Uh, man, there was some other huge. There was another really big name that fell. Okay, oh, Johnson, mm. wide receiver, I like a lot. Uh, and he went to was it Carolina? Carolina. Carolina who picked him up. But they also got Shai Smith and the actually drafted Shai Smith I love, and then Terrence Marshall. I love what they did, but he Kate Johnson reminds me very much of like a shorter Cooper Cup. Oh yeah. Like he's just he, he's just he's very he's runs very sharp routes. He's very efficient, very crisp, clean, and I liked him a lot coming out of uh, South Dakota State, a jackrabbit. And uh, that was the guy I actually was really hoping the Chiefs might go and pick up because mm-hmm. I could just imagine how much fun well, on him, but. No, but you do mention that, Carolina. So uh, I did happen to really like Carolina's draft class, and I want to go into some of the teams who I, I think really did well in this draft. Do you have any particular just, out, just outstanding winner that 
unequivocally you think may have like absolutely crushed one this draft? There is a couple teams that come to mind. There's three teams uh, that I have as the best draft grade uh, from my perspective. Uh, Atlanta did some work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cleveland uh, really did a really great job, especially – uh, utilizing that like late falling talent and just snagging him, oh. um, and then honestly, uh, I think Aaron, our cohort, should be worried. The Giants. So I will agree with that. And I, man, and I hated seeing that happen with Cleveland. It drove me nuts because here I know the Chiefs at fifty eight and sixty three, and I'm like, man, you and I were texting back and forth during that second round. I'm like. Man, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa just right keeps on slipping right down, there. boom, 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 into the 50s. And I'm like, that guy could be awesome in, in a uh, Steve Spagnuolo defense. And that's, I mentioned Dan Sorensen. Be what Sorensen is to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Like, he, because he brings the speed and range that Sorensen just unfortunately does not possess. And. I think that would have been tremendous, but Cleveland snagged him like four or five picks before the Chiefs could have. At the end of the day, apparently a lot of teams were worried about his durability because of size, and he wanted to play linebacker. And I was like, you can make packages. I mean, the NFL is all about that sub-package work right now. I mean, that's what teams like the Cowboys drafted. And, like, the sub-package, you can make a sub-package work for mm-hmm. Jeremiah Usukoromoa, and he's it's not tiny by any means. Yeah, he might be a small, rangy outside linebacker, but he's quick, he's fast, he's agile, and he's a sure tackler. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you want. No, absolutely, and that's where I got I got to give Cleveland a lot of credit. And I mean, that's you're seeing some of the teams in the AFC that are they clearly they see what they have to do. They see the Chiefs up top, and that's there's no denying that the mm-hmm. Chiefs are clearly the top of the board, top of the Chapu chain in the AFC, and you've seen. The Browns are making moves. The the Colts are making moves. The Bills, you look at what the Bills did. Their top two draft picks were both defensive ends. Right. And whether we agree or not, you know, I, like we saw the reaction that Grant had on Thursday night when they took Gregory Russo with the 30th overall pick. They clearly were not, he clearly was, I mean, head, head, head in his hands, just right. distraught. And hearing him kind of come around it on the, on the last weekend because uh, he went back and checked his measurables. And, <laughs> well, yes, the guy measures very we're, well. We're – we're homer. I mean, right. that's what we do. When when something bad happens, we talk ourselves into it being good, yeah. or we talk ourselves into something good being bad. That's what we do. We right. overanalyze the hell out of things. And, of course, he has to justify it. And that's what I would do as a Chiefs fan or you as a Lions fan. At the end of the day, uh, what he said he's reading is they're not going to necessarily expect him to start. They want him to work on some things. And, yeah, I mean, that's very, very true. So mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have an A.J. Epinesa on one side. You're going to have a Carlos Basham maybe on the other side. And you're going to be able to work in that Gregory Rousseau or see if he actually does excel in, 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 uh, in like at level up in camp and ready to go. You know? Yeah, and it does because I'm like, those are power rushers. And I think you can see what the Chiefs did. As they're like, they, the Chiefs understand what their offensive line, the teams were going to stack up because they saw what happened in the Super Bowl. They saw what Tampa Bay was able to do. And they're like, okay, we need to go make sure that we teams are going to stack up with pass rushers. And whether or not what Buffalo brought in, Russo or Basham or Ipanisa last year, are true pass rushers or just really strong defensive ends. Right. The fact is that they're loading up in a position that they know they can try to take advantage of the Chiefs. Um I mean, you also see other teams in the division, like Denver. Denver, first thing is, like, we need to get someone that's going to cover. Let's get Sertan. And, and it's very true. But as I said during the draft show, they still only they still have a guy who can only really see half the field. He's throwing the ball in the first place. And right. 
And again, I come back to Denver. I actually have one because I have some question marks on certain teams too. And Agreed. Uh, Denver is a team where I'm like, man, obviously the talk was Aaron Rodgers, and I, I talked about it last Friday on Tap 10. The talk was Aaron Rodgers, and then the, the Broncos came away without a quarterback. So either they are truly banking on either Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, or they are still holding out hope that somehow they're going to entice uh, Aaron Rodgers more so that to, to be their quarterback is more enticing than it is to, you know, replace Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. Yeah. Personally, I would go Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. I mean, I, like mm. I would, and that's not, that's not saying anything on the Broncos. It's saying a little bit about the Broncos, but I, that's, I just love Jeopardy, you know? So who wouldn't want to replace Cabertella? Yeah. May you rest in peace, Mr. Mr. Trebek. Yeah. Um, but, no, you can see, and that's something where teams have been doing for a while. Another, the team, though, in the division that clearly they should be coming after the Chiefs that I have a big question mark, though, is what the hell did the Las Vegas Raiders do? Who knows? With, yeah. I mean, how many times have I said it now? The Raiders are going to Raider, and it's not getting old, at least not for me. Like a wall full of names, and they just blindfold, throw, hey, grab darts, and just Hey man, whatever. Hey, hey, Mayak, whatever. Uh, hey man, wherever this uh, this dart lands, that's uh, that's the guy. That's our guy. And yeah, I mean, they they had a boneheaded move in the first round with Alex Leatherwood, massive reach. But then in the second round, you had Trayvon Morig fall to you, and they went and made that happen. I'm like, man, I almost, almost, but almost, but not quite. We wouldn't be talking about this as bad if they would have done Morig in the first mm-hmm. and Leatherwood in the yep. second. But then with finishing out the AFC West, the team, and this is the team that I think ultimately have maybe had the best draft, definitely won, was the Los Angeles Chargers. And they, it's because they were able to sit there and let these guys, let the, the chaos in front of them happen and let these guys fall to them. And that's, you know, Rayshon Slater, again, yeah, you obviously are super high on him. You had him above Panay Sewell and mm-hmm. your ties guys for offensive linemen. And the only question mark I have in that regard is they drafted him to be left tackle. Right. We will see if he will pan out as a left tackle. Right. That is probably the biggest question mark with Rayshon Slater. He could be an, a phenomenal right tackle. He could probably be an even better in right. a left guard or right guard. Right. But I have him as they a need combo him to be guard. a left tackle. Yeah. I have him as a combo guard. And honestly, when you draft him as the left tackle, I have him below Penae Soul. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's fair. And it's and the only reason Aaron and I disagreed with you is because we said you know obviously left tackle is more valuable, right? And that's where Sewell has a chance to be better of a left tackle. But ultimately, it's still it's still a great draft pick for Los Angeles, regardless. And then in the second round, have Asante Samuel Jr. fall to you, the cornerback out of Florida State. He the he Asante Samuel, former teammate of Tom Brady, former Super Bowl champion Asante Samuel. And now his son is going to go play for the Chargers. And, that's, again, there was some talk if he would have been two inches taller, he might have been the top cornerback taken off the draw, taken off the board. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Josh Palmer, wide receiver out of Tennessee, they get in the third round. And also in the third round, and this is the pick I really, really like for the Chargers, they're going to get Trey McKitty, the tight end out of Georgia. And I wouldn't say he's, he's necessarily like one of the top five tight ends in this draft, but they lost Hunter Henry. And they, they need somebody to replace that production at tight end for and to be kind of the, the safety valve for uh, for Justin Herbert. That McKitty might have that written all over him. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's hard because the, the tight end draft class was so question marks minus the top two. 
Um, and obviously the top one was like the super elite Kyle Pitts, and that's part of the reason why I put Atlanta so high up on mm-hmm. my draft grades. Uh, but when it came down to it, I mean, you, after Fryermuth, it's all kind of that question mark of Brevin Jordan, who's just a pass catcher, and then how did his situation pan out, which Texans, whatever. Um, who knows what that team is. <laughs> and then from there, it's like, Take your guy, and the Chargers see something in, in him, in McKinney, mm-hmm. that can build. And he is athletic. He is big-bodied. He, yep. And if they do, they have a really good track record of developing those tight ends. So give him a year, year and a half, and we could be talking, you know, top 10 tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. No, without a doubt. And then one last pick that they made, I mean, that I liked in particular, and I know Aaron's going to like this a lot, too. I think getting Nick Neiman out of the linebacker out of Iowa in the sixth round is a steal. Yeah, late. I mean, I think he's going to be better than his brother, and that's that's not saying anything bad. Like, well, there's there's a lot of good traits that Ben Neiman has. Another really solid undrafted free agent that the Chiefs unearthed. But I think his brother Nick is going to be better than him, and that's that's somebody who uh, the Chiefs could be watching, kind of kind of hand it to us over the next the next several years. That could be another steal for the Chargers. So very very strong draft class for around the AFC West besides what the you know some of the the Raiders dumbassery but Raiders are going to Raider and I love saying dumbassery about them too just that's just not going to get old just not going to get old um but you did mention too that he's going to hate the Giants class mm-hmm. and I do agree with that but I think he also kind of maybe hates his own class he might and the Cowboys I mean obviously there's a lot to like with the Cowboys class there's a lot to really be worried about. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, hopefully we'll answer them all in the next podcast. But when it comes down to it, the biggest question is you drafted two linebackers mm-hmm. that complement each other very, very well, but you already have two starting linebackers. It was just a big, big question. Yep. It, Michael Parsons can come up and stop the run. Jabril Cox can defend the pass and go to the outside. So you – you definitely drafted two package linebackers, but they're going to be opposite packages. Yeah. And how are they going to work in tandem together? And then you just have other question marks on them. I mean, they did they did pull my guy, my uh, my favorite defensive tackle in this draft. Uh, love him. Uh, kind of plays on that like uh, anywhere from like four four and a half five technique. You o- say it because I can't. Osa Zizua. Uh, <laughs> that was a great pickup for them late. Uh, but other than that, there was just a lot of question marks, especially with their linebacker room. And yes, put that defense on blast because of how pitiful they were last year mm-hmm. but in the same fact you did your linebackers played poorly but not god awful and you probably needed to submit more backfield yes and obviously one of the concerns with the cowboys was after things kind of fell apart last year it just seemed like some guys quit look at longer term problems that the cowboys have had is and this goes well this goes in 30 years ago just some attitude issues hmm and there are some question marks in some of the players that they drafted. Of course, we will get more into it with, with Aaron tomorrow or, or on, on Tapped In later. I'm sorry, Tailgate later this week. But, you know, Micah Parsons, we've gone at length talking about. And Josh Ball, the tackle that they drafted, he has yeah. some real question marks too. Podcasts, we'll dive in a little bit deeper. We'll talk about them. And as we, this is Tapped In. We're talking Kansas City. So we have to talk about the Chiefs draft. And I've, I've been t- I've been t- on this. Whew. What do you, I just I want to hear what you think of the Chiefs draft first. I think your boys did some work, one hundred percent. Honestly, one of my circled picks that I love to death got super late that I think is a steal. Trey Smith, um, blood clot issue <sighs> is what caused him to fall down the boards. But with with 
medication and different things. It's been manageable. It is manageable. Mm-hmm. And you guys got a bona fide stud. I'm pretty sure Trey Smith is right here on our board, and you guys got him in the sixth round. That is insane to me. That is value. When you say value, that's what you're looking at yep. right there. And this is a guy, like, before the blood clot issues came in, and, yes, it is a legitimate legitimate issue to be concerned about. But you're talking about a guy who was looked at going in mocks, late first round, early second. You're talking about a guy who, I feel like John Man. let me tell here's a guy who just, like. Now, here's like, a guy, when he runs, he goes faster. <laughs> um, but Trey Smith was considered, in a lot of ways, to maybe be the top guard off the board. Right. And so one thing that absolutely thrills me, about this draft and about this offseason period. Chiefs have seven new offensive linemen and two of them that they went after in this draft. Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma, and then Trey Smith, obviously, the just mentioned the guard out of Tennessee. These were guys who Trey Smith was a former five-star, and Creed Humphrey hasn't given up a sack in the last two years. These are two guys who maybe coming into the season, you're talking maybe the best center and maybe the best guard in this draft before mm-hmm. this before the pandemic season obviously things shook out differently there is the concern with the blood clots but you're looking at the chiefs using a second round pick and a sixth round pick and five years from now we might be talking about the best center and best guard in this out of this draft period oh absolutely like it's and that's that's an incredible job by brett beach to with especially with creed humphrey well no especially with both of them mm-hmm. to be able to just find the value there i mean creed humphrey getting him at 63 was a steal, in my opinion, and absolutely what he said with Smith. Like, the sixth round, there are going to be a lot of teams kicking themselves. Their quarterbacks are getting rushed right up the middle and are getting blasted and saying, why the hell didn't we go get a mauler, a road grader, Trey Smith? And I look at this Chiefs offensive line now, and I was sitting there thinking about this yesterday, and I almost started just drooling out of excitement. Like, this is so the, – the, 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 the potential here – and that's something where we always come into after the draft. We always talk about, man, if this pans out, if this pans out, if this pans mm-hmm. out. This is a very real prospect for these two both panning out for the Chiefs. Right. And you're talking about in th- two, three years, the Chiefs having the best offensive line in football. Lock up Orlando Brown, see how he does. Mm-hmm. And then you you guys are set. I mean, you're, yeah, you're going to be talking about a top, probably a top six or seven left tackle, if not a top two or three left tackle in the game in Orlando Brown Jr., a top five guard in Joe Tooney. And if if uh, Humphrey and Smith can both pan out the way that it seems like they should, not seems like even to fulfill potential, but honestly seems like they're probably destined to, especially when you're going to be blocking for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And then Lucas Niang, last year's third-round pick out of TCU, who was another guy who he probably would have been first, second round had he not suffered through a few injury issues his last year at TCU. The Chiefs saw the need – to go, they saw the Super Bowl, are embarrassed, and are like, we, that is never happening to Patrick Mahomes ever again, as long as 15 runs out there in the red and gold. Yep. And I, for one, am beyond thrilled about this. And I can talk ad nauseum about this, and I probably will as, as things move on, because, I mean, it's May, and the season doesn't even start till September. But still, I just, I see... Ah, man, yeah, it's there, there's a lot of positives from this draft class that you can take away from the Chiefs. Uh, one of the other ones, uh, uh, Duncan and I had our own draft game uh, <laughs> between each other, um, and uh, Champ Champ over here. Uh, so yeah, we had our own draft game on yeah, we Friday. Got, we got silly before the draft, before the second and third round started on Friday, and we're just like, yep, let's hear, 
let's start to look at our draft board here and decide who we think. We did our own mock draft just for the second round. Yeah. And after uh, the first round, check it out. I mean, the Nick Bolton pick and him just tumbling, fantastic. Duncan was the winner, 37 to 32. It was uh, hotly contested. I was from behind the whole time. Hotly I, contested. Uh, <laughs> I was getting wrecked with the early picks. Uh, but, yeah, it so, was rough because there was a ton of trades, too. Right. So, like, okay, well, they were, we had them projected to take, you had them taking an offensive lineman. I had them taking a linebacker here at, you know, 37. Now they're at 43. So the both players them taking are gone. So now we're just going to do the three point if it's the same position or the one point if it's, you know, same side of the ball. And it was, yeah, it got tricky. It got, it got fun. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're sitting there texting back and forth and, but, yeah, I also – I did love Nick Bolton. That was a guy I had circled on the board. I really wanted the Chiefs to go get. I wanted them – linebacker was the position I think I wanted them most to get in the second round. I even was high on, like, if we could have gotten, you know, a in the first round right, mm-hmm. before they tr- made the trade for um, – excuse me, for Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, I was high on a lot of these potential, uh, p- potential linebackers. Jameen Davis out yeah. of Kentucky. But getting Nick Bolton – I think there's your replacement for Anthony Hitchens in a year. And now I look at that, the Nick uh, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. playing next to each other. You got fast, speedy, rangy, hard-hitting linebackers playing next to each other. And there's the middle of the Chiefs defense for at least the next half decade. Yeah. A month and a half ago, Duncan and I were having a conversation in this back room about great things that could happen from the draft. And one of the things that we talked about, Nick Bolton going to the Two rangy linebackers that can kind of go all over the place, but one that can step up and play that run, and then one that can be more on that outside. And this was something that we talked about being, this is great, but we don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that smoke screen of Jeremiah Uzukormo falling down the board that just basically like left Nick Bolton just hanging in tandem there, that as soon as he went off the board, there were really, really weren't many teams after that that wanted you know, kind of a linebacker, it was the doors wide open, the Red Sea parted, and there it was. You know, Nick Bolton was your next yep. pick. Yep, absolutely. And I even I even look at the other picks. I mean, we had, we had the two second-rounders, thanks to Baltimore deciding, you know, to chip in a second-rounder back. Again, I, I think Dr. Strange is working with Brett Beach in order <laughs> to make that happen. But, you know, pulling his, his sorcery and everything like that. <laughs> um, but uh, then in the fourth round, we had the, the, the last pick of the fourth round. We go and get Joshua Kando. The defensive end out of Florida State, former another former five star, and uh, he went to Florida State. He's big, tall, like he's like six five, two sixty, two seventy, and he just he didn't pan out at Florida State. But the system that Florida State runs on defense, it's all predicated on just pressure, speed, getting after the quarterback, and really fantastic guy. But he just he didn't fit in with Florida State system which when you see their on-field success the last couple of years, it's clear that a lot of their players didn't fit in with the system that they were they were trying to run. He checks all the Spags boxes. Exactly. Correct. And that's where I'm, I'm like, he, he's right there for a perfect Spags, almost prototype defensive end. And the fact the Chiefs went out and all the, all the elite edge rushers were gone. That was one of the things we looked at. Hey, they need an edge rusher. And if somebody would have been there at 58 or 63, Aziz Ojolari possibly, then yes, they would have jumped on it. That's probably somebody they would have looked at at 31. Even if they did still need a left tackle, they probably would have looked at if somebody fell to 31. But just, you know what? It's the bottom of the fourth round. How many times do you actually hit on guys at pick 144? Let's go get them. 
Let's see what he can do. And at the very least, he is a prototype for Spag's system. And then in the fifth round, they just kept on. They had two fifth-round picks. And I think, again, just two nails, uh, two aces for that the Chiefs hit. And going out and get the – they traded up to go get him. And they finally went and got a number two tight end to Travis right. Kelsey and get Noah Gray, the tight end out of Duke, 6'3", 245, 250, somewhere in there, really athletic. And but doesn't doesn't take a step back on blocking at all. No, no, he's go he's try hard and he's a Duke kid. I mean, so he's he's gonna have some foot he's gonna have some football IQ out there. He's gonna be he's a smart, intelligent guy out there on the field. And I'm just thrilled with that because one of my big concerns has always been no that you don't need to have a solid tight end, but if your one goes down, especially if your one is Travis Kelsey, you're screwed. Yeah. And that's where I think it was very smart and I've wanted this. And I actually talked uh, with, with Lance Twidwell from The Spoken. He and I were texting a lot this last weekend, too. And he's like, what would you think about going and getting Tommy Tremble? What would you think about, you know, he, he was big on Tremble. Or, and I said, if we get a Hunter Long or somebody. But Noah Gray, I think, was very smart. I think he's one who, you know, he's not a, he's not a, a Kyle Pitts or a uh, Pat Carmuth, But he could be right there among that next mm-hmm. tier. I think he yeah. probably belongs in those names, along with the Hunter Longs and the Brevin Jordans. And the Trey McKitties. And so I getting him in the four, in the fifth round, I think, was good value. And then they follow that up with they needed a wide receiver. They went and get Cornell Powell, the wide receiver out of Clemson, senior, who he – I talked at length about on the Tailgate podcast a couple months ago about the respect I have for Devontae Smith and Najee Harris waiting until their senior years, really waiting mm-hmm. to get their opportunities to shine at Alabama. Cornell Powell did the same thing at Clemson, not to the extent – that Devontae Smith, obviously, Clemson didn't run the same kind of pathy, just juggernaut, high-octane offense that, uh, I mean, they could, but they didn't run what Alabama did. They obviously had the Saturdays where they, you know, they ran up the board, the scoreboard. But that was something where Powell waited his opportunity behind all these elite talents in front of him. You look at Amari Rogers, another one who just got drafted by Green Bay, probably the smartest pick that Green Bay made in the entire draft because you actually give him give Aaron Rodgers a target if he does decide to come back. Anywho, but Cornell Powell, he checks a lot of the boxes the Chiefs like. He runs sharp, crisp routes. He's six foot, 210 pounds, so he's a sturdier wide receiver. And then he's deceptively fast. Mm-hmm. He was actually – he surprised a lot of people at the Senior Bowl. And he's very dangerous after the catch, which obviously Chiefs fans and the one Patrick Mahomes are going to be thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean – We've thrown around this all the time. Wide receiver you, Clemson, University. And it just it's one of those things where they get those you have to stay behind these elite talents to get your shot to show them that you're the next piece up. And that is exactly what Cornell Powell did. And yeah, he was one of the ones that had a really good senior bowl. He was pulling coverage on the opposite side. He was, he was beating the routes. And yes, there was that kind of like iffy quarterback play in the senior bowl, but was a weird year, but in the same fact, this kid did what he needed to and got drafted just based off the simple fact that he would waited it out instead of trying to make mm-hmm. flashy changes. Mm-hmm. Love and, it. And that's again, I found out this entire class. And Nick Bolton could have been a first round pick. Uh, Creed Humphrey probably drafted about in the right spot, but again, at one point, I, we did see mock drafts with him in the first round. Mm-hmm. He was he's him and Landon Dickerson, the two best centers in this draft. And then you see they went up and they got the Noah Gray. They went and got Joshua Kando. Kando and Trey Smith, both former five-star athletes. 
And, of course, I mean, we mentioned Trey Smith before. Like, he should have been way much, way higher on the draft board. I am seeing now a two-year trend of what Brett Beach does with the Chiefs is he is going after guys that are slipping but are former former guys that were formerly rated as first-round prospects or at the very least second-round prospects. And you look at that, that goes back to last year, Willie Gay Jr. and Lucas Niang and mm-hmm. Legereus Sneed at one point, too. The year before he entered the draft, when he played cornerback at Louisiana Tech, he was rated as a second-round corner. But then, selflessly, the team – I'm sorry, the, selflessly, he moved over to safety because the team was heavy at cornerback, but they needed they needed more mm-hmm. uh, production at safety. And so he went over and kicked over to safety just to help out the team. Obviously, we saw how that resulted for the Chiefs. He was well – he was worth well above a, a fourth-round pick. Uh, and, and you look at Mike Dana – you know, the production he had, your boy, out of uh, Go Blue. Yeah, Go Blue. And that's you're starting to see that the Chiefs are starting to move in a trend of these are guys that were once upon a time highly rated for some reason, for one reason or another, have slipped down draft boards. We know the talent's there. Let's go get these guys. I mean, we talked about Dana uh, a lot when it came down to the simple fact that he was behind some studs in, mm-hmm. at Michigan, but he was still productive. Yeah. And he was productive, and he was a high-touted recruit coming out, highly athletic, great Great defensive presence, yep. but he was behind some big, big names that are also all in the pros right yeah. now. I just think you're starting to see after some failures in his first couple of drafts with Breland Speaks in particular, trading up in the second round to go get him out of Ole Miss in the 2018 draft, didn't even make make it to a third year with the team. I think he, Brett Beach, I think, has learned some lessons, taken some lumps, and I loved the 2020 draft, and I am at this point in love with this 2021 draft. And especially going out and trading for Orlando Brown Jr. So I just I'm loving, loving, loving the direction that the Chiefs are moving in and back to back Super Bowls and I'm loving the last two drafts. I mean, Brett Beach has this team headed in a direction in which they will be staying on top. Yeah. They very well should be. So um we're just out real quick. Uh you and I are also huge baseball fans. Yeah. And uh, you know, Hey, you're Tigers. You're Tigers. I, you know, I, I love, love your your affinity and your passion for your for your Detroit teams. I, we've been we've been losing a lot right now, but it says a lot about our uh, core team and our prospect that we have. I'm so excited for the future. Um, we've been hanging in with some teams that are just way better caliber teams than we are currently. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, we've lost the Yankees nothing, and obviously we've talked about the Yankees having their struggles this year, but. It's fun to watch and realizing that these guys are taking that next step forward mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know what, the future's not necessarily so It sucks right now, and it's a little rainy. But, you know, right now is not what we're looking for. We're going for that next step. And I hopefully see us next year just taking that big jump, that boom, oh, crap, there's the Tigers. Yeah, and that's where you talk about that next step, and that's actually something happened for the Royals here tonight. After a rough three-game stand, uh, we, we had our second series loss – or yeah, second series loss – the entire season so far, a season that's just a month old, they only lost their second series at all so far this year to Ridiculous. the freaking Minnesota Twins, a team that both of and I, both he and I, uh, despise quite a bit. I mean, screw those guys. Um, but the Royals still sit at sixteen and ten, and they're coming back now to the K. You got a seven-game series Monday through Sunday. They're playing. You got three. I'm sorry. You got four with Cleveland before they close out with three with Chicago. But as I said, the future arrives in Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium tonight. Top prospect Daniel Lynch got promoted, and he is making his major league debut tonight, starting against the Cleveland Indians. 
I, for one, am thrilled. I'm excited We're to see about, it. He is a consensus top 100 uh Top 100 prospect. Keith Law has him 17. MLB Pipeline has him 24. Baseball America has him 25. That's not the Royal system. We're talking baseball in general. Out of all the minors, top prospect. He was the third pitcher taken in this vaunted 2018 draft class of five straight college pitchers taken in the first two rounds or first three rounds by the Royals. Whew. He was the third taken kind of in between the third, the first and second round, but he has been absolutely nails. A fastball that gets up to 99 miles per hour, a biting slider, and he has a 274 ERA so far through the minors. So he makes his major league debut tonight for our hometown, Kansas City Royals. So watch out for that. Let's see what the 24-year-old can do in his major league debut. That is going to do it for us here on Tapped In. I want to thank Ty James once again for joining me. Thanks for having me. Dude. Talk some NFL draft. Absolutely, dude. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Watch us on the Tailgate Podcast along with Aaron. We love to get into this stuff even deeper, talking NFL draft, talking sports, talking all sorts of crazy shenanigans. But once again, thank you for joining me on Tapped In. I am Duncan Kaminsky, and I will see you all next Wednesday.